Welcome to the new TV Gold podcast from Media Week's Andrew Mercado and James Manning, a podcast for people who love great television. On this episode of TV Gold, we're going to be looking at four programs this week, three of which have all got a fair sort of linking to dead bodies, sadly. We'll start with NCIS, which is a big drama franchise with an Australian version, which is launching this week. We're going to be looking at bodies, which, as you guessed it, is all about bodies. We'll be looking at all the light we cannot see, which again, there's a lot of bodies pile up in this four-part series, and one which is very completely different, The Curse. It's been called a comedy, but for me, that was a bit of a stretch, but we'll find out about that a little bit later on. Welcome back, Andrew Mercado. Hi there, James. So yeah, lots of bodies this week, and look, I, I might just start off on a bit of a tangent. This comes after I just sat down and watched my first ever John Wick movie on the weekend. Oh, yeah. And wow, is there a lot of bodies in John Wick too? I've never seen John Wick, but I did watch The Continental, that spin-off, but which, you know, which is kind of come and go. We were going to talk about it, but there's always so many shows it's kind of been lost. But yeah, yeah you want to know about bodies, there's, uh, you watch American TV and American cinema. I've read a lot of good things about John Wick franchise over the years and Keanu Reeves and it's, you know, but I don't know, to me it was just another shoot em up, you know. It was just, I, he kills something like 79 people in the course of the movie and it's just a lot of unnecessary violence, you know, and it was just really, you know, cartoon version of, you know, what's happening in real life. And look, James, I would say to you that I never, ever need to see another movie or TV series about an assassin. Yeah. It's a, a genre that's been done to death. And yet having said that, David Finch's movie, The Killer, is about to drop on Netflix and it's about an assassin. But, you know, it's David Fincher. We have to watch it and talk about it next week. Yeah, look, we'll do that. There's uh, been no previews because it's been in cinemas, I think, this week prior to its uh, Netflix release, so we'll, we'll definitely have a little look at that. But look, let's start with NCIS Sydney, which is the fifth instalment of the NCIS franchise, a franchise that itself, I think, started as a spin-off from the um, sort of naval crime drama JAG. That yeah, is. that's good memory. I forgot that. And Jag's long forgotten and NCIS just keeps going and going and going. Um, so, you know, I've watched two episodes of NCIS Sydney and that's a first for me. I have never watched an episode of NCIS in my life. I'm not a big fan of American crime procedurals, particularly the one hour ones. I just find... You know, when it, the CSI, SVU, all of those shows, you know, there's always a computer hacker that just goes tap, tap, tap on the keys and the, the crime is solved and you kind of go seriously. Like, if you tell me it's a three or a four part crime drama, I will watch it. If you tell me I'm going to find out the answer within 60 minutes, yeah, I'm not going to waste my time doing that. But having said that, I know there's a ton of people out there that love a show like that because it requires uh, no commitment. You don't need to come back at the same time next week to find out what happens next. And so I know it's incredibly popular. So NCIS Sydney, here we go. 
you know, I had to laugh. There was a line in the first episode that just made me cringe so bad. And it was when Toddler Sans said to Olivia Swan, who was playing the American uh, investigator from the Navy and Toddler Sans is uh, Australian Federal Police, AFP. And he says to her something about a septic. And she goes, what? And he goes, septic tank, yank. Don't worry, you'll get used to it. In other words... We spend all our time here in Australia talking in rhyming slang. And the reason that makes me laugh so hard is, you know, I still haven't gotten over Delvin Delaney in 1980 on the love boat talking about her Billy Lids. And for the whole two hours, two-part episode, I was going, what is she talking about? And then in the last scene, you find out that Billy Lids is rhyming slang for kids and she's married and everyone's been trying to crack onto her and she's been trying to tell them that she's married. I mean, it's, you know, but that's what happens when you get an American show filming down here in Australia. They just can't help themselves doing those kind of cliched Australiana. What did you think about the Australiana uh, on display? Um, Yeah, look, it was a bit obvious at times, wasn't it? You know, if they there's so many shots of Sydney Harbour, you know, those helicopter zooming shots across the water, Opera House Bridge, City Backdrop, North Sydney, Lunar Park, you know, it was just endless. But, I mean, who's this made for? It's made for the American market. Exactly. It's been called the first Australian primetime premiere on American TV, and it's taken us a long time to get it. Look, if this is what it takes, look, I'm all for it. You know, do your best. Um, I didn't find it overly – I didn't really stop. I quite enjoyed it. I like like getting wrapped up in 60 minutes. I think there should be a bit more of that. I'm almost over very long, drawn-out series. Look, they have their place, but these days to find a show that gives you a result in an hour, there's not a lot of them, you know, so I – I quite enjoy that. Um, I enjoy that point of difference. Um, and I love the cast. You know, there was there was a mix of blend of US cast members, but I felt it was predominantly an Australian production by looking at the cast. And look, I am a big fan of the cast too. Uh, Todd Lasance is solid. I think Tuli Narkel uh, is very, uh, I love her attitude in this. Yeah. She's not taking shit from anybody. She's <laughs> real smart ass and that works for me. And I love it that she's, you know, gone on from All My Friends Are Racist and Mystery Road into a role in a big American primetime drama. I thought the standout though was, you know, my girl from Neighbours, Mavorni Hazel, um, playing, you know, all those American crime procedures have to have that sort of, you know, you know, highly intelligent computer yeah. hacker, slightly nerdy person. But I thought that her interpretation of that character, being a little bit nervous, being a little bit accident prone, I thought that was great. And I love that William McInnes playing the very gruff, you know, doctor dissecting all the bodies. He seems to have taken a bit of a mentoring role for uh, Bluebird, the character played by Mavorni Hazel. So I really liked that characterization and look it wasn't as cringeworthy as it could have been yes episode two is about smuggling wildlife so yeah there's the kookaburra there's the koala but yeah you're right this is what 
needs to be put into a show about Australia for American prime time. And I think it's really important to remember what you've just said there. It's not made for Australians. It's made for the US and the rest of the world. Yeah. Um, and just a, just a note about the franchise. I mean, five five shows now under the banner of NCIS, although uh, NCIS New Orleans was the first one to be cancelled, if you like, or they called it stopped. But it still made seven seasons. Yeah. NCIS, NCIS LA and NCS Hawaii are still producing 20-plus episodes a year. I mean, so it's an incredible factory that they've got turning out the content. This is the first short-run um, order. I think there's only 10 episodes in this season, but I guess if this finds an audience in the US, you can bet that will be cranked up and there'll be um, more commissioned. And surely it's going to find an audience. If every NCIS, if if the the worst rating NCIS has gone for seven seasons, there'll have to be yeah. something terribly wrong with this, <laughs> not for it to run for several years. Yeah. Look, and just back on those locations, even some of it was really obvious. There was a there's a brilliant scene in that first um, ten minutes of them in North Bondi, that iconic Art Deco block, which is painted a nice um green where, where um, a member of my family used to have an apartment yeah i walked down the hill past that look they actually visit the um bob hawk leisure center over in marrickville which is wonderful another place i've been i've had lunch there at their brilliant um chinese restaurant old school chinese restaurant and that's brilliant that they've sourced out little local places like that as well as the real obvious sort of uh, tourist traps if you like and just the fact that there's a couple of lines there explaining to the Americans who Bob Hawke is, I really like. He's a former prime minister. You see the entrance to the club saying anybody that doesn't get sacked today is a bum for not turning up to work. You know, Hawke's famous, you know, quote around the America's Cup. I like that. And I like that line where the American guy said Bondi and she said, no, it's Bondi. You know, I, I like that, that we're kind of doing a little bit of education uh, for the Americans there about pronunciations and things like that. So, yeah, it's it's cringy, but it's not overly cringeworthy. Yeah. Um Creation of this series is credited to Morgan O'Neill, the um, writer and producer um, here in Australia, and he's um, been in a bit of demand lately. He, um, the Last King of the Cross, he right? So um, heavily involved in that, and he's done very well in this, both writing and some executive producing. And so he's talked a little bit about, you know, he's looking forward to further um, episodes of this show, and he said they could even go to Darwin where there's something like several thousand US Marines are constantly based. So that, you know, if they run out of bodies in the water here, they could certainly find some up there, you would imagine. Yeah, gee. Um, you know, I guess if they, you're right, if they need to uh, expand the horizon, although you could send the team from Sydney up to Darwin for a few episodes, couldn't you? There's a case up there. They've got to go up there. I mean, I mean, uh, every murder has to be involved with the navy in some way so you know you could you could still base them in sydney and do all of that i can't see ncis darwin becoming a long-running hit but you know as a as a, a you know a, a special sure. you know yeah, yeah. two-parter three-party yeah why not yeah absolutely absolutely all right so the only thing that surprised me a little bit about this it's on paramount plus here it's not on 10 yeah 
presumably well, not on 10 for now Absolutely. you know it doesn't yeah. take and i you know a few months down the track it'll be there i guarantee you they'll be screening <laughs> and screen at some time next year it just shows the importance of this company's strategy on building the audience building the subscriber base for paramount plus uh, yeah. Top Gear was also recently commissioned. You thought, oh, that'd have to go on 10, surely. No, that's going to premiere on Paramount Plus as well. So they're very focused on building those subscriber numbers. Up with uh, the latest uh, content, which they want to do with that NCIS Sydney. Okay, let's go to the next one, All the Light We Cannot See. Yeah. I thought this was a movie originally, initially, but it's not. It's a four-parter, so sort of a short-run series, if you like. It's um, up on Netflix, and I've got to say, I was pleasantly surprised by this. I, I did quite enjoy it. Yeah, look, I mean, did I enjoy it? I, I, <laughs> I kind of did, but I also did find it a little bit cliched. Um, the best part of it for me was uh, the fact that both of the actresses playing uh, Marie, the blind girl, are both blind in real life. I thought that was really, really interesting reading up about that and and how the director or the producer was talking about, you know, talking to actors like Aria Mia Liberti, who plays Marie as the uh, as the older girl, yeah. you know, she would say to him, no, 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 uh, a blind person wouldn't do this. And there was just so much authenticity she brought to that. So I found that absolutely uh, fascinating. And, and I've read that they've made a few changes from the novel. I guess the part that makes me go, oh, gosh, really, is it just that those Nazis felt such cliched villains. I was almost expecting them to sprout fangs at one point. You know, they're almost like monsters. And I just think, oh, you know, it's it, it, it's it's very obvious, you know, that these are the good guys, these are the bad guys. Um, so, yeah, I've watched two episodes of it, uh, and I think it's an, it's an interesting concept um, and, you know, those episodes end on massive cliffhangers, each episodes, and great to see actors like Hugh Laurie and Mark Ruffalo in there as well. But, yeah, I did find it. I don't know that I really believed it and found it a believable story, but, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, we should say a little bit about the setting. So it's World War II, um, tells about a blind French girl and a German soldier um, who eventually cross paths. I mean, at the start, I thought oh, I was going to be a bit of a romance, but it wasn't, which I, which it was good. It sort of resisted those obvious, and I'm not sure if there's a bit more of that in the novel. I think there's a fair bit in the novel that didn't translate to this four-parter. Yeah, but uh, the blind French girl is um, broadcasting on radio, which she's sending out coded messages to the Allies, um, and the Germans are trying to hunt her down. One of those people is a German soldier who's a specialist in sort of radio broadcasting, but he's actually a fan of the broadcasts and he sort of pretends not to be able to find her. Um, and then it's, it's sort of towards the end of World War II. The Americans are closing in on uh, this part of France. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's very well done. Gee, they've spent a lot of money on this. Yeah. You know, the, the scenes, the special effects. It's all very authentic. Um, it's it's quite quite incredible what they've done. 
Yeah, the great thing about CGI now is, you know, those shots of the bombs being dropped and, yeah. and all of that, yeah. But, I mean, yeah, look at the sets, you know, that devastation, the blowing out buildings and all of that. Uh, it, it did look really impressive. Yes, yeah, yeah. The um, But, yeah, you mentioned the cast. The cast was great. Hugh Laurie, look, he doesn't – you think, oh, how much is he going to be in after that first episode? But towards the end, he's in it quite a lot. Um Again, Mark Ruffalo is in it quite a bit at the start, not so much at the end. So yeah. they're, they're sort of used carefully, those two actors, but they're, they're both really good and, and pivotal roles into what happens. A couple of interesting things I found about it. Look, this has got a great soundtrack. I love the film music. It's very cinematic. And I, for me, it really added a lot to it. Yeah. That's well, you know, it, it it should have something cinematic. I mean, it's a, it's you know, it's a it's only four parts. You know, it could be, yeah. you know, that just about qualifies it to be a Martin Scorsese running length, doesn't it? <laughs> to go into a cinema, so yeah, it's 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 not surprising the soundtrack is, is impressive. Yeah, the um, couple of interesting things I um I noted about this the the guy doing the music, James Newton Howard. Okay, he's a Grammy winner, an Emmy winner, and he's been nominated for an Oscar nine times. Wow. His movies and music he's done for movies included Pretty Woman, The Fugitive, uh, two recent Batman movies, one of them where he worked with Hans Zimmer. Yep. Get this. He, previously, he was a musician. He toured for two decades with Elton John playing keyboards, and he was also married to Rosanna Arquette. Wow. <laughs> Marriage only lasted 12 months. <laughs> so a little bit of trivia there about the show. Okay, so that's um, All the Light We Cannot See, a mini-series on uh, Netflix, that one is, isn't it? Yeah, Netflix. Okay, let's move on. Bodies. We'll stay in this theme. We'll save <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> The non-body count for our last, but bodies is isn't that also on Netflix? There's eight episodes of this one. Now this is weird. It's a time travel thriller. Yeah, totally, totally weird. Yeah, yeah. Look, it, it took me a, a little bit of excuse the pun time to get my head around this, but it didn't take me too long to think. Well, look, do I really am I going to persevere with this? It's You've got to have your wits about you. And look, it, it is intriguing the way they do this. The, um, the it starts off in the present day, and they a, a, a body's found. Right, there's a situation in London, and a, a police officer finds a body. Um, there's a there's a protest on. Something happens during the protest. There's a chase of a suspect. The police officer finds a body, and then. This happens over different time periods, okay? Then they flash back to 1941. Similar situation occurs. This body's always found in the same place in this laneway in London. I think it's Long Harvest Lane, okay? Yeah. And the body's always found. Then they flash back to 1890. And then right at the end of that first episode, they flash forward to 2053, and and I'm starting to think, oh, all right, okay, all right. I persevered for the second episode, <laughs> but then I got I got most of the way through, it and I thought, you know, it was the the one I had the most problem with was the flash forward to 2053. Yeah, 
I just really wasn't buying it then. I just thought, oh, come on. Well, it is sci-fi, clearly. It's, you know, to the fact that the same body is in the street over four different time zones puts it into sci-fi. But, yeah, when it goes into the future and she's driving around in the driverless car, she's being driven around in a driverless car and, uh, you know, Stephen Graham turns up, which is funny because, you know, last week I was saying, when is he ever going to do a comedy? And uh, he did actually crack a smile in this one. And in his first line, I was like, okay, there he is. He does smile. Um, yeah, look, at I just... I just found it quite dense in 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 terms of you have to really, really pay attention. This isn't one of those shows that you can be, you know, checking your Instagram, you know, feed while you're watching it. You have to really pay attention. And, oh, look, I don't know. I was I, – I wasn't I, – I got to the point where I didn't care enough to pay attention, and then I just thought to myself, I don't have a clue what's going on. It didn't really draw me in enough to make me – pay attention. So I can't see that I'm going to continue on to episode three. Yeah. And I just get to, for my money, um, Stephen Graham, who I was waxing about um, very eloquently for his role in, um, in Boiling Point uh, last week, I think he's just pretty much, well, in what I've seen, totally wasted in this. He just, you see a couple of still images before you see much of his acting work and he just, I know he looks a bit unintentionally comedic. I don't know his character. You're right. It's science fiction. It's I think based on a DC um, story. This one, but yeah, look, I I just don't. I'll give up on this one. I'm not going to stay with it. Like Greta Scarchi is allegedly in it, but I didn't see. Yeah, much. I'm yet to see her. I, I kind of got it. I kind of let it roll a bit into episode three, and then just thought, no, I'm out of this. Um, yeah. I didn't see uh, Greta. I mean, I like some of the cast. You know, Jacob Fortune Lloyd's in there, and you've got Shira Haas, who was uh, in what was that series, Unorthodox, where she oh, yeah, played yeah, yeah, yeah. the the Jewish girl in New York. Um, you know, that some of the cast were good, but yeah, really. Uh, complicated and you've got to really, really be into this concept to watch it, I think. Yeah, George Parker plays an interesting character called Henry Ash, I think, which is a sort of a, a Fleet Street a journalist and photographer. Back in the uh, day. Who's a sort of hassled about his sexuality as much as anyone yeah. in that first episode and, and subsequently, um, which, is a, which is a nice role. But, um, yeah, there's not a lot in it for me. Uh, bodies. So on Netflix, there's uh, eight episodes and they're all available now. Okay, that leaves us with The Curse. Yeah, wow. Um, wow, you want to talk about confusing now? We'll talk about The Curse. So I don't know what to make of this. First off, those episodes were like super long. Every time I was watching an episode, I was like, when is this going to end? It felt like I kept watching mini movies. It just goes on and on and on. It's like, you know, the, some of the scenes are dragged out to the point of, my God, if something is something ever going to happen. It's the most bizarre concept. Yeah, I was... I was trying, I spent the first episode trying to figure out what it was actually about. So you've got Nathan Feed, what's his name? Uh, Nathan Fielder and yeah. Emma Stone playing this couple who appear to be shooting a pilot for a TV series about 
home renovation, something that would, you know, be environmentally friendly. <laughs> and they've got this director played by Benny Safdie, who uh, he's the producer director of this reality TV show, who is really kind of pushing them to do really tabloid TV. And they're trying to make out that they're better than that. Um, and yeah, it's just... And then, look, what that scene with the micro penises in the first episode <laughs> is about, how that relates to anything in these series is just beyond me. I had a friend here watching the first episode and she just said, do not put another episode of that on. I've already wasted some time. So I did struggle through that second episode and just... I just don't know where this is heading. And apparently it's got some incredibly crazy uh, final scene in the last episode that Showtime are begging critics not to talk about. Well, I won't talk about it because I'm not watching it for eight or however long hours it's going to take to get there. But apparently it's got some incredible ending. But, man, this is weird. Yeah, you'd have to have amazing stamina to get to the end of um, all ten episodes of this on Paramount+. Plus. Um, we talked about the rehearsal. I don't know if you can remember, which yes, was, um, which I just didn't like at all. Didn't have any time for, which was also another Nathan Fielder um, extravaganza. He needs um, an editor. If you think about the rehearsal and you think about the curse, yeah. you could come along and say you could take. 10, 15 minutes out of both or out of the episodes. Oh, please. It's too long. They, they, they yeah. just, he goes, he, he has these scenes and he sort of is wanting to, it, it's all about this awkward comedy. And it's like he seems to rebel in these awkward moments, but they just go on and on and on to the point where you just go, Oh my God, enough. I get it. It's awkward. Move on. Yeah. Look, I, I, I love the idea that the fun he's having with the audience and almost, Almost teasing you to saying, "Come on, I dare you to keep watching this," you know. <laughs> they, they, and they're very funny situations, aren't they? I mean, there's, you know, look at everything from the the, the visiting the parents to the the whole thing about their um, passive house society and the the way they're. It looks like they might be stealing some of the um, the building ideas, and then marketing as as their own pretending if you like that they they want to really help out the local community and there's yeah. actually a bunch of Australians working in this cafe <laughs> where where they're apparently hiring only local um local staff um it's it's all really good but gee whiz that just an hour an episode look it's way too much Emma Stone is good She's um, great, actually. Her facial reactions are great. You know, those moments where you see her switch between this is my persona for the camera and then this is I've switched it off and this is who I really am. She is fantastic in this. I mean, she's the best thing in it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I, I think the, the other guy is a, the uh, director too. He's he's really good. I mean, he's totally ruthless and he's just yeah. really is willing to exploit any situation and get it on screen, you know. And yeah. The whole thing, I mean, every situation is funny, but you're right, way too long. The yeah. whole thing, the interview they have with local TV in in uh, in New Mexico, I think it's Santa Fe local news station, and they, the, the interviewer is trying to grill them about, you know, are you really trying to help the local community? And, um, and, uh, Nathan Fielder really loses it with her and, you know, and then tries to 
uh, manufacture this situation where he'll offer us something in return for dropping the story, not to embarrass them. I mean, that's all really funny, but it's played out over such a long period of time. Oh. Yeah, and when he goes to that casino to, oh, my God, that just goes on and on. And then what about when they go to see the Native American artist who is slicing meat inside a teepee as just you're going, what the hell is this? Yeah, it's really, really weird. Again, as a, you know, someone, um, a child selling some soft drink, you know, in a parking lot to try and you know raise some money they're they're homeless you know and, and he gives her a hundred dollars then he tries to get it back because he just did it for the film you know get get film being being charitable and he tries to get it back um that's really good but again you know there's there's some great ideas here um but maybe you could maybe the way to watch this is one a fortnight or something and maybe and can because there is it would be nice to see how it ends up. You can imagine it all going completely pear-shaped for them. I, I am slightly curious about how it all ends up, but I do. One of the uh, critics who wrote a review about this said the ending is just kind of so batshit crazy. It does make me wonder if, you know, the ending's just going to be some, you know, yanking the chain, so to speak, <laughs> um, because there's a lot of yanking going on through a lot of the episodes leading up to it. Yeah, I can see myself waiting till I don't think the last episode screens until January or something. Waiting until then, and then just going and watching that last. Just episode. watching that one, yeah. <laughs> see what happens, and if there's anything intriguing, then maybe going back and watching some of what happens in between. Okay, so that it did remind me a little bit of Unreal. Remember that that show about yeah, which was a send up of The Bachelor, but done done a lot a lot tighter than this was. It was Correct. very. Very concise, you know, and it, it was such a joy. I think it was four seasons of that. It, and it went to a lot of very dark places, almost too dark at times, I think. Yeah, I'm, I'm all here for anyone that wants to do a send-up of uh, the manipulations and machinations of reality TV. But, you know, that show is this, but a whole lot, bunch of other stuff as well. It's like, yeah, it's not very focused, I don't think, on who its targets are and who it wants to attack. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's The Curse, and it's on Paramount+. Plus. I think there's a couple of episodes launch at once, maybe two or three, and then they'll drop episodes weekly. Look, um, just quickly before we get to our shows of the week, on Finish this week, I finally finished ta-da, Deadlock. Oh, wow, the Amazon Prime series. Yeah, set in uh, Tasmania. Yep. Um, it took me a while to get there, but I finally did it. And look, my lasting memory of this is, boy, that language, I tell you, look, <laughs> I'm, I'm no prude, but gee whiz, the, there's certainly some fruity language. The C, I've never heard the C-bomb get dropped so much in a TV show, which again, look, I'm perfectly fine with, but I'm, <laughs> I'm sitting around watching this and Anybody who happened to walk through the room, what are you watching? You know? <laughs> There's other people around. You're very conscious of what you're doing because just the language is just so full on. Um, yeah. But um, did she I? She had just- some fans, though. Like, oh, I, 
I watched it week by week. And the reason I watched it week by week is I was constantly being reminded on social media because, you know, the fans of the two Kates would just every time an episode would drop on Friday, there would be all this chatter on social media, another episode, you know, so there's, you know, that the, the show has its fans, you know, for a lot of those a lot of those people, I reckon, if you showed them a list of everything that's been made in Australia this year, that a whole bunch of people would say that Deadlock is their favourite Australian show of the year. Oh wow, really? Okay, Cast, we look. We both love Kate Box when it's out. We both thought love Kate Box, Madeline, Sammy is that uh, uh, and sort of a copper flown down from Darwin. Yeah, didn't a love little bit that over the much. top. Yeah, the character doesn't slow down at all during no. those eight episodes. Um, Alicia Gardner as Kath was was quite cringy all the way through it. Yeah, but but she was good. Um, Tom Ballard, I really enjoyed his sort of police officer. He wasn't a very good copper, but um, he was he was great in the role. Um, Chris McQuaid's always good. I enjoyed her, and look, a lot of the other cast look just do a wonderful job. Yeah, so, yeah, I've not finished anything else because I've been spending all my time watching Volume 6 of The Box through Crawford's DVD. First episode was the debut of Tracy Mann, her first ever TV role. Uh, so, yeah, that's, you know, every chance I get I do that and then uh, go, you've got to put it away, you've got to watch these new shows for next week's TV Gold. <laughs> okay, out of this, look, um my show of the week, again, there's not an obvious one, but I guess in terms of entertainment, I'm going to have to go for all the light we cannot see um, just because, yeah, you know, I, I enjoyed it the most. Um, I appreciated the production. I love the music. And um, for me, that edges out, I guess, um, NCIS. Yeah, look, I'm going to give show of the week to NCIS Sydney because I was surprised at how much I didn't hate it. Um, and, you know, it's great. They're, they're pumping a lot of money into the industry. There'd be a whole bunch of Australian local actors and crew who would be getting paid an absolute shitload to appear on a big TV series like that. So it's good for the industry, uh, nice to top up the coffers. Uh, but, yeah, some of those scripting obvious things are always going to annoy me just a little bit. But, look, they've done a better job of it than I thought they were going to do. Yeah. Okay. Hey, next week, can I just point out yep. that uh, it's the ARIA Awards on Wednesday night, yes. uh, being hosted by Brooke Boney and Tommy Little on Nine. That's good. And for my Media Week column on Friday, uh, I'm going to talk about next week on Neighbours, which is uh, a flashback week to fill in what happened in the two-year storyline gap that they were off air. It's really picked up pace over the last couple of weeks and uh, Neighbours fans are going to be absolutely thrilled with uh, what's coming. Okay. In addition to um, we mentioned The Killer, which we'll do next week, the with the, the TV year starting to come to an end, there's a pretty major Australian um, drama drop next week, though, with Scrublands, I think, coming to Stan. Yeah. And we'll also have a look at that one in the 
in the next episode of TV Gold. And Robbie Williams. Robbie Williams' series is about to start on Netflix, James. We can't not talk about him. Oh, is it a series? Is it not a doc? Yeah, it's, not, no, it's a docu-series. I think it uh, drops on Netflix today, maybe. You know, tonight it'll be there. So, yeah, it's four parts, I think. But, yeah, we, we you know. Conveniently coinciding with the tour, I think he's on. <laughs> I'm guessing there might be some new music too, but I don't have an idea really. Okay, Andrew Mercado, thank you so much. This has been an episode of TV Goal. Thank you for listening. If you want to send us a comment or um, do your own review, you can get in touch with us. Send an email to comments at tvgold.au. See you again next week, Andrew. Thanks, James. Have a good week. 